Hey, Oasis Church Chicago, Pastor JP here. Hey, we're so glad that you're joining with us on our podcast today. I pray today that this message stirs your faith, that it builds you up, that it draws you closer to the Father's heart, and ultimately that you just feel the embrace of heaven. We would love to stay connected with you and you to stay connected with us. So please feel free to check us out on our website, oasischurchchicago.com, or download our app, Oasis Church Chicago. Also, you can be sure to join with us on our live stream on our YouTube page every Wednesday night and Sunday morning. Now here's today's message. Well, welcome church. I know uh, we're kind of back into a, a season maybe that we, we don't all prefer, but I, I pray that wherever you are this morning in your homes, uh, that you could just be encouraged. Uh, thank you for tuning in. My name is Andrew, I'm one of the pastors here at Oasis Church Chicago, and uh, it's an honor to, to get to share uh, the word of God with you this morning. If you've been tuning in with us this fall, uh, we've been uh, focusing on a series called Royally Set Apart. And uh, I, have the, I have the privilege today to, to kind of cap, end cap the, the series with the final message. And so uh, we're going to be tuning in to the, to the book of First Peter. It's where we've been studying. And if you've missed it, before I dive into this morning's message, I do just want to recap us kind of on, on some of the key principles that, that Peter has written for us and, and revealed to us through this book. The title of my message today is called Standing Strong. I figured this was a, a timely message for us, especially in this season, standing strong. But to recap real quick on just some of the key themes that, that Peter has revealed to us and that we've heard Pastor JP sharing with us in these recent weeks, I'll kind of go through what we find in this book and then dive into our, to our passage for today. So the first, the reason why we say, we call this series Royally Set Apart is that we as God's children must acknowledge who we are. And number one, we have been born again to a living hope. This is a great encouragement. According to the scriptures, it's an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. We have a hope that is secure, and that hope is Jesus Christ. And he has given us hope for eternal life in him. And he has given us life now and life abundantly. I pray this morning that wherever you are, you can receive and you can live in that life and those promises that Jesus has given us. The second thing is, as God's people, as, as royals in his family, we are called to be holy. It's a high calling, but we have hope in that because we have been given Jesus Christ, our Savior, to help us with that, to help us be holy like he is holy, to empower us by his spirit. And so we've been called to be a holy people. Third, we, we, are, a, we are called a living stone. This is a unique uh, phrasing that we find in this passage. Um, but basically what a living stone embodies is this concept of a structure, of a church. And we, as the church, capital C, not necessarily a physical building, even now it's, it's interesting this morning as we all gather in different places across the city or even across the country, wherever you're tuning in, we are a living stone as the body of Christ, as God's family. Peter also describes us, God's people, as a royal priesthood. That's where we get the, the name for the series, Specifically, he says, and I quote this from 1 Peter, once you were not a people, we didn't know God, we were all spread apart, Gentiles, unsaved, but now through Christ Jesus, you are God's people, a living stone, a royal priesthood. We have been named, we have been declared, we have been saved into God's family as his people. I hope that that sinks deep with you this morning and you realize the impact of that, the privilege it is to be called God's people. Number four, you are like Christ. And because of that, 
There's a different reality. Christ suffered. And we too may very likely suffer, likely have suffered for doing good, for following after Christ. The scriptures say this. Uh, it's, not, it's not something that, that makes you feel all happy and good inside when we face suffering for being like Jesus, but it is the reality. And through that suffering, there's actually hope because the scriptures say it builds up strength in us. It actually encourages us that when we see how God carries us by his strength and by his spirit through the trials and through the suffering, we're actually made stronger. So we can continue to press in even more to God's goodness and know that he is in control and that he holds us. And then lastly, we are stewards of God's grace. We are stewards of God's grace, being vessels by which his spirit can live and move and work in our communities and in our world around us as people see Christ in us. So these are all really encouraging principles and truths that, that Peter has taught us. And today I'm going to be diving into 1 Peter chapter 5, where ultimately he kind of closes out this letter to God's people, the church, to us today. And he lists basically a list of imperatives for us, things that are not optional, <laughs> things that he really is strongly encouraging us to embrace as this truth has been revealed to us as God's people. Because Peter knows that there's attacks coming against us. And specifically, there are attacks of this world, but there are spiritual attacks. There are attacks from the enemy, the devil, who is out to try to tear us down because of this identity that we now have in Christ Jesus as God's children. So today, I encourage you, sit up. I know you're probably on a couch. I know you're probably wearing your super cute comfies, as we call them in our house, your loungewear, whatever it is. But I encourage you this morning to sit up and pay attention and listen to this because these words are vital for living out your walk as a Christian, for living out your walk as a believer. If you have your Bibles, uh, please open up with me to 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. This is going to be the key scripture for us today, and I'm going to read through it now. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 11 in the NIV says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Standing strong. Royally set apart, standing strong. Uh, earlier this summer, Holly and I were watching a, a show that maybe many of you are familiar with called Survivor. <laughs> Survivor is a, it really was like, honestly, one of the very first reality TV shows. And in my opinion, to this day, the only good reality TV show out there. Um, if, if some of you haven't seen Survivor, I'll go through the basic premise of the show. And I want to talk about why I think this is key to, to today's message. The basic premise of the show is you got all these people who are, who are put on an island, literally like these beautiful locations across the world. They're literally out on an island, somewhere amazing, 
and they basically divide this group into what they call tribes. And the, the whole premise of the show is that they're competing ultimately to be the last person standing, man or woman standing, the, the final survivor. And the winner of the show gets a significant sum of money for doing that. Um, and so there's certain elements of the show, things that they're surviving, right? They're, they are literally surviving the elements. Like we're watching a season right now, one of, the, one, of the, one of the best seasons in the show. And in the very beginning of the show, for like multiple days straight, it's just pouring rain, like monsoon. And these people are just miserable. Like they can't get dry, they can't find shelter. So they're literally surviving the elements. That's, that's like part one of what they have to survive. Part two, they, they partake in these physical competitions, right? So they do team competitions, they do individual competitions. There's, there's kind of things they can win. They can win um, immunity. They can win like different foods, different supplies. They can win tarps to build shelters on their islands, etc. And so they're surviving these physical competitions and it wears on them over time. Like being out on the island, literally as the show progresses, people like lose significant body fat. And they're like literally trimming down. They're literally out there surviving. And then the last thing, the really interesting component of the show, they are surviving interaction with each other. They're literally surviving like this, this, this uh, kind of this, this competition between alliances and between, um, you know, kind of how to outwit each other in the strategy side of the game. And there's this very interesting component of kind of this interpersonal strategic part of the game called an immunity idol. It's literally these little like necklaces or bracelets that players can find throughout the game because the way that you actually get sent off the game, the way that you get eliminated in the game, if you will, is every time a tribe loses a competition, they have to go to this thing called tribal council. And in tribal council, what happens is the rest of the members on the team have to decide on one person to vote out. So strategy is a huge component in the game because ultimately you wanna form alliances and you wanna get enough people on your side who you think are not going to vote you out so that you can continue to stay and survive throughout the show. But what happens with these immunity idols is they get clues throughout the game. And when somebody finds one, they typically try to keep it secret. The reason why is because if you find one and people know you have it, you immediately have a target on your back. You found something that can ultimately save you, that can keep you from getting voted off the show. And there's this whole gameplay that develops of whether you tell somebody, when you decide to play it, how safe do you think you are? How, how, how unsafe do you think you are? Do you feel like people are coming after you? But ultimately the game can come down to this single immunity idol that can save you and carry you throughout the game. It's a show of survival. It's a show of alliances and it's a show of potentially people coming against you to try to get you kicked out. The reason why I bring this up, the reason why I talk about this show is because what Peter is addressing here in this final chapter of the book is that when we as God's people truly recognize and truly embrace our status as royals in his family, our status as God's people saved and marked by Jesus Christ, we are immediately changed in how we appear to the world. And specifically, we are immediately changed in the eyes of the devil, the enemy. The minute we are saved, the enemy is on attack. The scriptures say he is like a roaring lion on the prowl to devour us. Do not take that lightly. He wants to destroy you because he knows that you are saved and that you've been called a child of God. And when we embrace this, we are sure to know that the attacks 
are coming. But we're not left hopeless. Thankfully, in this passage today, Peter has armed us with key principles, key things that I want us to hear and to truly pay attention to and to take hold of today that can help us withstand those attacks, that can give us the confidence and the assurance and the security that we need to live out this calling, to live under the protection and the, and the steadfastness and the security that God wants to give us as his children by the power of his spirit. Standing strong. The message today is going to, to, to equip us and show us how we can stand strong to resist the attacks of the enemy. Because if you guys know like me right now, there are many attacks happening in this world. Not just physical attacks, not just what's going on in our country, and our nation with COVID, etc. But there are very serious spiritual attacks coming against God's church and against God's people. There's nowhere in scripture where, where God just says that life will be easy for believers. He knows this. Jesus Christ himself and his time on earth shows us his walk was very difficult. Jesus was constantly being attacked both by man and by the devil. But God also sees the journey ahead and he knows that when he calls us to be a part of his family, when he equips us as believers, he sees the journey ahead and he knows exactly what we need to walk out our calling as a royal priesthood. He knows it's hard for everyone. That's why we, need a, we have the need for a savior. And it starts with believing in Jesus Christ, with surrendering our own will and ourselves to him, knowing that we can't do this on our own. We can't overcome the attacks of the world, the attacks of the enemy on our own. But once we've tasted and seen the goodness of God, once we've, once we've embraced salvation and we've embraced the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit, the difficulties come at us in a new way. It says the devil is on the prowl and he wants to bring you down because he hates to see people thriving in the goodness and the power and the Spirit of God. We shouldn't be surprised by this. We shouldn't sit today, I hope you don't sit today and just have, a, have an attitude such as like, woe is me. We should actually be encouraged. If there are spiritual attacks coming against you, it's because God is moving in and through you. And I hope today that we can be encouraged in that. Ephesians 6:12 speaks to this reality. It says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, even though we feel that. I certainly know we feel that. But the bigger struggle is against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The devil doesn't like it when we embrace our status in Christ Jesus, that we are a royal priesthood, so he's going to try to attack in any way that he can. So today in 1 Peter, in this, in this passage of scripture, there are three key ways that I think Peter is, is, is providing us three key principles which he has equipped us for to combat the attacks from the enemy and to stay firm and to stand strong in our walk with Jesus Christ as believers, as a part of God's family. So the first is this, humble yourself. Humble yourself. This is not easy. First Peter 5, 6 says, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. There's a key phrase uh, in this passage that, that is important to understand when we are called to humble ourselves. 
And it's this, it's this phrase, God's mighty hand. This would have been very significant to the Jewish people, to God's people who were hearing Peter speak these words, Peter himself being a Jew. And we can go back and we can see actually the usage of this phrase, mighty hand of God, throughout the Old Testament. Specifically in Exodus 13, 9, Moses says, For the Lord brought you out of Egypt with his mighty hand. God did an incredible act if we think back to how he delivered his people from Egypt by, by overthrowing the powers of Pharaoh, by, by sending the plagues, these mighty acts of God to show his people his power and his authority over his creation. And ultimately, when God's people, when it appeared that they were pinned up against Pharaoh's army in one final stand to be destroyed forever, God parts the Red Sea and he sets his people free and he destroys the enemy. He destroys Pharaoh and his armies. God's mighty hand. The idea here is that God's mighty hand is on the destiny of his people. See, God hasn't stopped doing mighty acts and wonders for his people. We now, just as God's people, the Israelites, were a part of his covenant family, have, become, have been adopted into God's covenant family as his children, as brothers and sisters to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And God says we can realize the power of his mighty hand if we will humbly and faithfully accept his guidance just as he called his people into the wilderness to wander through the desert. Time after time, we see in the Old Testament, God gives very clear instruction, very clear instruction. Like he did not make it hard for his people to understand. He says, if you will do what I ask, if you will follow my will, I will give you blessing. I will love you. I will protect you. I will provide for your every need but will you humbly and faithfully accept my guidance? Will you submit to the power of my mighty hand? This is what Peter is asking for, from us when he says to humble yourself. We have to set something aside. We have to set aside our own power and our own will in order for us to be strengthened by God's mighty hand, and therefore in order for us to be able to resist the attacks and the temptations of the enemy who wants to devour you today. Who better to show us this example than in the New Testament than Jesus Christ himself? I love this passage in Philippians 2, 6 through 9. <clears throat> Jesus is the ultimate example of what it means to be humble. And when you think about who Jesus is, being himself God, I hope this sits in even more for us as the ultimate example of why we should humble ourselves being humans and being flawed and needing a savior. Philippians 2, 6 through 9 says this about Jesus. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used by his own advantage. He could have very well done that. But rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. This is the good news. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. 
Jesus Christ had the full authority and power of God, being himself God, and yet he humbled himself. He made himself a servant for us, for you and me. He loved us so much that he was willing to set aside his power as God and die on the cross and take all of our sin, all of our guilt, all of our shame so that we could have life. This morning, church, how much more then are we called to humble ourselves and just to say to God, God, I submit to you. I trust you. I recognize who you are and what you've done for me out of your abundant love and mercy. And I submit to your mighty hand this morning. Lead me, God. Work in my life. Perform your mighty acts and wonders and power in my life. I desire to do your will today. I humble myself. The scriptures give us warning too. Proverbs 3.34 says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Which side do you want to be on this morning? He opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. James in the New Testament also repeats this theme. In James 4, 7, and 10, he says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Humble yourself. Christian humility is setting our pride and ourselves aside and surrendering to the mighty hand of God and his destiny for your life. This is step one. Step one this morning, humble yourself as Peter encourages us and how we can stand strong as his church, as Christ's church. Number two, cast your anxiety on God. First Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. If you're a part of O Groups here at Oasis, we had an amazing uh, uh, section of scripture that we studied uh, this week in O Groups. We were, we were talking about the concept of, of <clears throat> giving our everything to God, giving our everything to him. And the, and the section of scripture that we focused on kind of talked about some, some ways that, that the world, the ways of the earth can, can pull our attention from God and can put our everything into other places, into idols, into money. The passage was found in, in Matthew 6.25 and specifically Jesus Christ acknowledges anxiety. He says in Matthew 6 verse 25, don't be anxious about your life. And in Matthew 6.34, he says, do not worry about tomorrow. See, there's many things in this world that can draw our attention away from the Father, that can draw our eyes and our hearts away from the Father. Maybe for you this morning, it, it might be your health. We're all thinking about our health these days. There's no way that, that you can't be um, with the pandemic happening. It might be your money, your resources. I recognize there's a lot of change happening. It might, maybe you lost your job. Maybe, maybe you're strapped for cash. Maybe your family is in need of this, that, and the other. It might be your job security. It might be a family situation. But there's, there's many ways in this life, there's many reasons for why you might be anxious today. But in this passage, Jesus says, don't be anxious and don't worry. And here's why. He says, look at the birds and the plants. Look at my creation. Do they worry about anything? Of course not. God has given them everything they need because he created them and he knows exactly what's best for them. So then Jesus says, why should you worry 
God's prized possession. In the beginning, when it says God made all of his creation, the birds, the plants, the earth, the heavens, the stars, the sun and the moon, he says they were good. And then it says God creates man in his own image, man and woman. And when he looks at man and woman, he says they were very good. We are God's prized possession. And so how much more than if we believe that and if we let that sit in our hearts, do we trust that God gives us every good thing we need? Peter is telling us, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. He knows what you need and he's ready to meet those needs today with exactly the best thing for you. And if we need one more reason, we should acknowledge that God has already met our greatest need. And that is our need for a savior. That is our need for salvation. Because soon after the creation, man fell. Man and woman gave in to their pride, going back to the theme of humility. They gave in to their own pride and their own desires and they sinned against God. And so because of that, we are set apart from God and the only way that we can come back to his grace, the only way that we can be restored with his spirit in us is through salvation in Jesus Christ. And God met that need because he knew we couldn't do it on our own. And he gave us the greatest gift to meet our greatest need, which was sending his one and only son, Jesus, to die for our sins, to pay the price that we could never pay so that we could have the eternal gift of salvation, so that we could have an eternal home in God's presence with him for eternity, so that we could partake in a new heaven, in a new earth someday when Christ returns to restore his creation to how he desired it to be. He continues to meet your needs every day. He wants to meet your needs every single day. Are you willing to cast your anxieties and your fears on him this morning? He cares for you. He loves you. Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So number one, humble yourself. Put aside your pride. Number two, cast your anxiety on God. He cares for you. He's a good, good father. And number three, stay alert. Stay alert. First Peter 5, 8 through 9 says this. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kinds of suffering. As I was reading this, I thought, who better than to instruct us with this imperative of staying alert than Peter? <laughs> Think about Peter, who not too long before this had been overcome by the devil himself to literally deny Jesus Christ three times before his crucifixion. That really hit me when I realized that Peter is writing this passage to us now and gives us even more reason to truly pay attention and to take to heart what Peter is telling us to do. Stay alert. Peter let his guard down. Peter knew the disciples were the closest people to, or uh, the devil knew that the disciples, including Peter, were the closest people to Jesus Christ. And therefore, they were the first ones that he attacked. And we saw 
his attack effective against Peter who denied Jesus Christ as he was on his way to the cross. But thankfully, by the grace of Jesus, Peter was redeemed from that. And Jesus Christ's grace covered him in that. And he equipped and he empowered Peter to be one of the the mightiest preachers in the early days of the church to carry forth the gospel, to carry forth the good news of Jesus and to preach it to the church and to spread the gospel across the world. And we find Peter now preaching to us from this conviction, from this place of, of very well knowing how serious the attacks of the enemy are in our lives. Additionally, the writer of, of Hebrews kind of encapsulates this idea of staying alert. In Hebrews 6, 11 through 12, the writer says this, we want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. Here's the key phrase. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. There are definitely trying days ahead for us as believers, for all people as we live our lives in this world. But we should stay alert. We should not become lazy. We should be of sober mind. Prior verses in this passage in Hebrews and what Peter is describing is that there's a warning against laziness because I think as, as people just naturally, it can become very easy to just kind of go into the motions. I think about that especially right now as we find ourselves back at home and many of us in quarantine from, from our friends and our family, at least in this, in this season. It can become very easy for us to just kind of sit back, let our guard down in a certain way, get into a new routine, simplify things a bit, And I fear that in these moments, we actually might be opening ourselves up to be more vulnerable and to be open to the attacks of the enemy. But I wanna encourage you this morning to stay alert. Don't be lazy. Dig into the word of God. Continue to press in to prayer. We need to guard our confidence in Christ, especially in a world and against spiritual authorities and powers that are coming against us at every single opportunity they can to try to tear you down. Rather than continually putting ourselves in situations, in risky situations, where we risk falling away and making ourselves easy targets of the devil, I hope that we can diligently seek out our faith in this time by the power of the Holy Spirit. So what does that look like? What does it mean to be alert and of sober mind? Number one, dive into the word of God. Press into his word. Dive into the passages in the scriptures. This is the word of life. It is meant to fill you. It is meant to encourage you. Open up a devotional book. I encourage you to spend each and every day at some point opening up the word of God. And I promise that when you open it up, when you press in, when you pray and you ask God to speak to you, he will reveal his good truth to you. He will encourage you and it will bless you and it will fill your heart and your mind with his truth and with his promises and his good word that are gonna equip you and and hold you and carry you strong. Number two, a lot of us right now, I I, I understand, might be feeling alone. You might just be in your your immediate household. You might be just with a small group of friends. You might literally be alone where you live. Stay connected. 
Stay connected with your friends and family. I'm tempted oftentimes to fall into a trap of like, oh, I can just, I can just kind of shut down for a little bit. I'll be all right. I, can, I, can, I don't need to text anybody anymore. I don't need to call anybody. But when we do that, that's another way that we actually start to let our guard down. And not only are we not reaching out to others, but we are not opening ourselves up to be encouraged by others. There are people around you in this church body at Oasis Church Chicago who love you and who wanna encourage you, who wanna, who wanna talk to you, who wanna spend time with you. This is the beautiful thing about the body of Christ, the believers, the royal priesthood, the living stone. We are God's people. And in that, as the church, we are meant to encourage each other. We are meant to draw near in these times, to build each other up, to prophesy, to speak words of encouragement over each other, to share the truth of what God is speaking to us so that it is edifying and that it builds each other up. I pray in this season that we can fill ourselves with the truth of his word and that we can be open to encouragement and accountability with each other to stay alert, to not become lazy, and to be built up as God's people so that we can resist the attacks of the enemy. I wanna tell you today that you're not in this fight alone. I feel like there's somebody who needs to hear that today. You are not alone in this fight. We are in this together as God's people. And his promises are true for each and every one of us. That as a child of God, you have been given the power of the Holy Spirit to fight this battle. You are not expected to fight this on your own. You are not expected to fight this in your flesh. But you have been given the power of Christ Jesus himself, his Holy Spirit in you, to fight and to stand up against the attacks of the enemy. And he is ready to pour out his spirit in you this morning by his power and by God's mighty hand. You have brothers and sisters here in the church who love you and who are ready to come around you and to speak words of life into you and to speak encouragement to you. We can pray for each other. We can encourage each other. We can stand strong together. So to recap this morning, Ways that we can be standing strong as God's people, as royals in his family. Number one, humble yourself. Number two, cast your anxiety on God. And number three, stay alert. In closing of this passage, Peter describes just a beautiful blessing that I want to read and that I want to pray over us as his people this morning, a word of encouragement for us to hold strong to, that I pray will be steadfast. I pray that you go back and you would read this passage, memorize this passage, and pray these words over your own life. Speak these words every day you wake and every night you go to bed. And it's found in 1 Peter 5, 10 and 11, the last two verses of this scripture. Peter says this, and the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. He will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. The scripture always leaves us with a promise. His word is always good for us. It is always exactly what we need. 
but it takes our part. It's freely given, but we must choose to receive. And what Peter is calling for us today as his people, what he's saying to us is if you are faithful to do these things, if you are faithful to humble yourself under God's mighty hand, if you are faithful to cast your anxieties on God, to trust him, to truly believe that he can and will do a mighty work in your life, that he knows what's best for you. And if you are faithful to stay alert, then he himself will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Pray with me as I close this morning. Father God, we are so blessed to be called your children, your sons and daughters. God, you are so good to us. You saw our every need, God. You know what we need as your children, God. And you met that need by giving us the greatest gift that we could ever ask for or imagine. You gave us your own son, Jesus Christ, who came to the earth, who set aside and humbled himself and became like us. He experienced all of our pain. He experienced every trial, every tribulation, every pain, every suffering that any of us can ever go through, Lord. And not only did he live through it and he experienced those things, God, but he took on every single sin of the world and he carried them to the cross. Thank you, God, that you took our suffering and our pain and you died to take it away once and for all so that we could have life and life abundantly. Lord, I pray that that, that reality would just set deep in our hearts and our minds today, God. And that because of that, God, we would just cease to, to, to resist, God. That we, would, that we would be willing today, God, to give up whatever it is in us, God, that we have yet to relinquish to you, Lord. I pray this morning, God, that as the attacks come against us, God, that as many of us may feel beaten down and kicked out, God, and going through it, God, and tired, Lord God, that in this moment, God, we would be able to surrender to you this morning. That we would be able to humble ourselves this morning, God, under your mighty hand. That we would give up our anxieties, God. And that you would fill us with the goodness of your spirit, God, to overcome the attacks in our minds and in our hearts, God. And that you would equip us by the power of your word and by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, to be people that are alert, Lord God, so that we can stand strong against the attacks of the enemy, God. And that we can be a mighty people, God, filled with boldness by the power of your spirit, God, to receive your good gifts, God, to receive the gifts of your Holy Spirit, God, to not be backstepping, Lord God, in this season, God, but to be filled up with power so we can step forward in confidence, God, so we can be a people who are going to speak boldly about who you are, God, and about your kingdom, God, so we can be a people right now in this season, God, even in the midst of trial and tribulation, Lord God, to prophesy, Lord God, and to pray, God, and to press into your word, Lord God, and to carry forth the gospel, God, and the mission that you've called us to as your people, God. I pray, Lord God, that people 
would see your power in this time, God, and that people would be called out by your spirit, Lord God, to know you for the very first time, Lord God. I pray that there would be new salvations, God, that people would surrender their lives to you, God, even in this season, God, and that there would be revival in homes, God, that we would go out, God, as royal priests of our homes, God, and be empowered by your spirit to do your work and to carry forth the calling that you have put in our hearts, God. But it starts with us this morning. It starts with each and every person tuned in this morning, God, to surrender to you. And God, we thank you for your promise. We thank you for your promise, God, that you will restore us, that you will make us strong, God, and that you will make us firm and steadfast by the power of your mighty hand, Lord God. We praise you that your promises are true. We praise you that your word is living and active, God, and your word is good for us. Your word is the good news that we need today, Lord God. And so I pray that you would just strengthen each and every person in this church this morning, God, each and every home where people are tuned in this morning, God. I pray that your spirit would just pour out right now in those places, God. And may the experience, the radical love and mercy and grace and blessing from your spirit right now. Just fill their homes right now, God. May you anoint their homes by the power of your Holy Spirit and bless each and every person. I pray that you would meet each and every need, Lord God, and that you would take us forward from this moment, God, to press into you more than ever before, Lord God, to surrender whatever it is in our hearts that's holding us back from knowing you, God. We love you. We praise you, Lord God. We are thankful for the promises of your word, Lord God. We're thankful for the truth from your scripture. And we're thankful for Jesus Christ, our cornerstone, who we have a firm foundation on which we can stand. We love you, God. We praise you. And all God's people across this city and across this nation today say in Jesus' name, amen.